You are listening. You are listening. You are listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. My biggest takeaway, I would say there's kind of two stems of that. One is not to lie, like one is a bit of solitude when like, you know, if stuff's really confusing you or there's a lot of stuff on your mind, when I sit on that bench and crank on the light and there's a bug stacked in front of me, there's a bubble around us, you know, there's a bubble mm. around that bench. Yeah. That's probably one takeaway. And the other takeaway is patience and like, you're gonna, yeah. And I think I said this on <laughs> the first time we talked, you're gonna suck at first and you know, you're gonna think one thing is good and it probably will fish. No problem. That's one thing too. It will fish. But uh, uh, some a bug, you, you know, it'll fish. But once you tie the one after that, you might hate that last bug, you know. So it's about patience. You're going to suck at first. Every time you do a new bug, you have learned at least a part of one technique. You're, you're never not learning by tying a new bug. Welcome to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast, featuring interviews with passionate people within the fly fishing industry. We focus on guides, conservation, resort managers, gear, and talented fly tires, bringing usable information to fly fishers. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by The Fly Crate. Theflycrate.com is your source for all things fly fishing. The Fly Crate offers a monthly fly club. We select patterns every month for your home waters. With membership, you'll receive flies created to match the hatch in your area, along with the Fly Crate's guide magazine, the convenience of having flies delivered right to your door, some sweet stickers. Discover new patterns and start stocking your fly boxes now. Theflycrate.com. Here's your host, Mark Hopley. This week on the show, we're going to head to the east coast of Canada. We've got Brandon Snook on the line. Now, Brandon, we've actually had him on the show before. He's got Brandon's Bugs, specializing a lot lately in deer hair flies, bass bugs, as well as streamers. Uh, he, he actually recently moved back from the Arctic, spent a uh, year in the Arctic. We'll talk about uh, what he was doing up there, what he got up to, what kind of fish he was chasing, and uh, what kind of patterns he was tying. But first, uh, a look at the top few cities uh, in downloads from the past week. Uh, number one spot was a Gold Coast in Australia, followed by Berkeley Springs, West Virginia. Then Dixon, Illinois, uh, Megalia, California. We had uh, Prince Rupert, British Columbia, San Jose, California, Lander, Wyoming, Sydney, Australia, uh, Calgary, Alberta, and Crestwood, Illinois. Thanks, folks, for listening. So thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, I really appreciate being back on here. As I uh, as I was saying earlier, this podcast is a big deal with me, fly fishing and everything. It uh, really sparked a passion. Well, that's, uh, thank you. It's nice to say. T- talk to me. What have you been doing? I know you spent a little time in the Arctic. Um, where were you? What were you doing up there? So, uh, yeah, we uh, we jumped up up to the Arctic, and uh, my fiance was a teacher, and uh, I went up there as a carpenter. It's a hard place to get a job, and it uh, it, it turned out that they needed some help with the school, so uh, I fit in as a full su- or a full time substitute teacher, and uh, yeah, I was teaching English and uh, math, and yeah, I mean. It's it's a 
it's a pretty broad explanation, but uh, it was an amazing situation for sure. So, so you left Fredericton, you go to the Arctic. What, where exactly in the Arctic were you? So we were in Arviat Nunavut, which is the most southern of the northern towns. Uh, not to think that um, you know there were WalMarts and things like that sitting around because it's the most southern. It was a only fly in town, no roads. When people move to one town from the other, it's on snowmobile and things like that. Uh, so yeah, it was it was a different situation. That's that's for sure. So what was that experience like for you, um, getting to know the folks up there and, and spending time teaching in the school system? Um, it was walk us through that. Yeah, it was uh, it was really amazing. Um, as being, I, I don't know, a person of privilege and uh, a person, it's it's north and south Canada. When you go up there, like if mm. you're not in the northern parts, you're in the southern parts, right? right? So as being a southerner going up there, I really assume that, uh, yeah, that it would take at least a year for people to accept me. And, you know, I'm coming into your community, a traditional community nonetheless, but it's not like that. Uh, it's, it's you get off the plane and it's full of hugs and smiles and it's just uh, people love taking you in that community and uh, they're, they're really, it, it was really amazing. So you're teaching math, grade 9, 10, 11. Um, and, and what else were you teaching besides that? So uh, we were teaching some math in grade 11. I was teaching English, uh, of course, as a English-speaking person. I was teaching English for grade 9. Uh, for grade 10, I was teaching a class called Aula, and I also had a co-teacher. Uh, his name is Ryan Chikite, and I got to give a shout-out to him if he ever heard this because he ran that class. That <laughs> was not me, and it was a full class, and it was a tough class. So, hmm. But that was just more or less... Uh, you know, traditional ways. And, uh, it was more about, um, it was more about Inuit and, uh, the Inuit coming from the land and whatnot, just the, the basis of all that, you know, if that makes any sense at all. I would imagine that that tied into a few of your passions, spending time in the outdoors, chasing fish, that type of thing. Was there some kind of things you like, what did you take away from that experience? Oh, I mean, as a whole, like, uh, the main takeaway was, um, <laughs> living life to the, like living life to being happy and living life to the fullest is, is what you can do when it came to fishing. Uh, I don't know what I could take away with it because, you know, a lot of them pull these monster fish out of these tiny holes. And I would love to take away some passion or something from that, but I couldn't, like, I couldn't keep up with it. Like it wasn't, uh, it wasn't even a close situation, you know? What species of fish are you chasing up there? Are we talking lake trout? Are we, are we talking freshwater? Are we talking salt? What are we talking? A little bit of both salt and fresh. Uh, when it came to fresh, it was lake trout and uh, big, big, big northern pike like uh surprisingly musky sized northern pike you know what i mean i didn't know pike got that big but when it came to the uh the salt it was a sea run trout it was pretty much if it came through the salt and it came through the bay you know they're gonna pick it up kind of deal so so talk to me about your your fly tying so did i would imagine 
you have obviously got a very short open water season up there. Um, did that, you know, did you spend more time tying than, than fishing? No, uh, the fishing was very, very few and far between. Um, again, it was my first year up there. Maybe if it was my fourth, it would be a different situation, but, uh, it's a, it's a land that, um, if you don't have a guide, a local guide to take you out and protect you, or you don't have the, the real safety lay of the land, it is a dangerous place to be like, uh, in that tundra, right? When, when polar bears come around, they haven't eaten a very long time. So, uh, hmm. yeah, yeah. They're always ready for a meal. So it was a a hundred percent a fly tying thing. And, um, I think that's where a bit of the deer hair came from. Like I, I saw so many pictures, even when I started fly tying, you know, whenever it was ago, and I just didn't understand how they uh, how they made those flies, and I was like, I gotta figure it out. So when I got to the Arctic, I said, I don't have a ton of other things to do, you know. <laughs> so yeah. let's figure it out. So um, those polar bears, did you encounter any in your travels? Um, encounter is one, not 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 like a uh, dangerous encounter by any means. Uh, in polar bear season, you know, they, uh, they roll around. You can go to the dump in the town I was and you can find bears around because it's a dump, you know, they're gonna find some things to eat. My, uh, actually my fiance was before I was working in the school, we went there because she had already been employed at the school. So, uh, she was walking one day to school and there were some shots going off. And it's it's not unlikely to hear shots going off at, uh, you know, geese or whatever it is, but it was a little close, it sounded. And then she got home the next day and we got the report that the building she was on the other side of, you know, had a bear running around. So they had to shoot some uh, like bean bags and bangers and whatnot and chase it out of town. But it, yeah, it can come close for yeah. sure. So now I know you're tying a lot with deer hair. Did you get a chance to tie with any caribou? Uh, you know, I uh, I did actually. You get a swatch or two for sure. It uh, it goes around pretty. Uh, there, there's lots to go around, I guess. Um, and it works well. It works really well. But I I didn't get that. Uh, you can't get that long fiber out right. of it. That's yeah. quite this. It, it it is a bit different. It yeah. flares the exact same, but it is quite a bit different. It's not as uh, even, is it? It's kind of inconsistent, if that makes sense. Like deer hair. I think it's uh, when you if you're doing elk hair caddis or something like that. Right. I think it would be perfect. You know, get that little rough look to it, just because it gives it that buggy look anyway. Well, I I interviewed a gentleman that has a podcast. Um, called the outdoor i'm gonna i'm gonna have to put this in because i forget the name of the show but he basically invented something back in the day called the caribou caddis he was just tying exactly that it basically an elk hair caddis out of caribou and and just apparently just did an amazing job for him oh i and i i bet it would it it, yeah (laughs) so let let's talk about your time these days so we're chatting today with brandon snook out of he's in fredericton uh new brunswick right now but he's just got back 
from Nunavut. Um, and first off, are you going back to Nunavut in in the coming uh, school year? Uh, not in this coming school year, no. But we plan on going back on the next one, a hundred percent. We just had a few things to tie up on the end on this side before we uh, commit to going back and living in the Arctic. How's Brandon Bugs been going for you? Have you been, uh, you know, whipping a few flies off at the vice for customers? Yeah, it's uh, it's been surprisingly good, and it kind of started as a. Uh, I mean, I've, I'm, I always tie for myself anyway. I always love to have a new bug in my box, so I'm always tying. And then it kind of turned into, uh, well, maybe if someone else wants a few of these, I'm starting to build up a little, you know, a collection. So it just started in the Arctic as sending a few things out and sending a few bugs out. And I realized, hey, people kind of want these bass bugs. So, yeah, yeah I'm uh, I'm ready to tie now. And I'll uh, I'll get that bug out to you as quick as I can. Sometimes it takes a bit because, um, you know, you have one day without razors or one day without glue to put those faces up. It uh, chunks into your time time, but I try to get them out as quick as I can. So, I mean, since we last talked, I know you've been working with deer hair a lot. And honestly, deer hair is something I I have a bit of an issue with. It's, it's, I, I haven't really spent the time. It's messy. It can be, you know, um, it's definitely a learning curve. So what, what, if you had to tell somebody that was maybe tying up some deer hair gonfus, or maybe they're doing some, uh, some poppers for bass or what's a, what's your takeaway on tying with deer hair? Like as far as, uh, you know, is there any tricks or tips you can throw our way? Yeah, I definitely got a few tips. Um, if you know, you want to commit to deer hair by a, uh, a cheap vacuum or a dust buster to have next to your table. Like not the one that you use for the house. <laughs> you got to have your own <laughs> vacuum for it. Right. But uh, the main thing is um, you got to be willing to commit and uh, you're going to lose a lot of deer hair. You're going to have a lot of bugs. I find the main thing is like every bug I tie, I look at my last one and I see so many flaws. So you got to be willing to take that razor that you shave that hair with just to cut that whole hook back and clean it off. You, like you are going to lose whole swatches of deer hair trying to learn how to do it. And God knows I have too, but there's going to be that point where you click. And once it clicks, it's uh, it starts to become really, really fun and less frustrating. So if you're tying some some bass bugs, some poppers, some kind of top water stuff, uh, how how are you stacking that hair? So um, that's kind of the question, I guess, isn't it? Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> so um, I'll give you my best example if I can lay it out of my perfect bass bug. I'll tie it on a a number two A-Rex hook, a, uh, I think they're TP S10s, Trout Predator, or 610, sorry, not S10. And uh, that gives you just enough room to put those perfect stacks on. So you put one stack on the bottom, as it is like any, like you're going to have to watch some videos to see how to get that on. But once you get that one stack on the bottom and you rotate that vise, it's all about, personally for me, 
not putting massive stacks on the hook. I think a lot of people think you have to grab the thickest stack you can. It's That's not what it's about because you can stack that amount of deer hair, right? If you have this big clump, you can add that on without right. stressing your own fingers in the thread. So each bug is about one stack on the bottom, five stacks up. I would say half a pencil, uh, half a pencil width. And that's how you get all those rings and colors too, right? You can just switch any color in you want. And uh, I will say one big thing with bass bugs, it's the hair packer. And I'll recommend the, uh, the Pat Cohen's one, that big green fugly packer mm. that uh, that'll help you tie some serious bugs. That's a good tip. Um, cause I know, I know I, I have an issue when I start stacking the hair or trying to compact it. Um, but I know what you mean when you say kind of let, you're kind of saying in my mind, less is more. It's kind of like dubbing, you know, like you, it's easy to put too much dubbing on. If you think you have enough, just cut it in half and you're probably in the, in the ballpark. Yeah, I, um, it, it is. I would say it's almost like, uh, I will say if you can handle like these pros, like, uh, Pat Cohen and all of these guys, they can handle any level of deer hair I feel like they want, you know, which you can put those huge wads in. But um, to recommend for, at least for me, like I, I can't handle it, right? Like it's either when I trim it up, it's too spaced out. Or if I put that pull on it, it's going to just explode in my hand, right? So I find smaller stacks and multiple smaller stacks build that stronger fuller bug that almost turns into a cork if that makes sense yeah so are you buying so when you start spinning because i've seen you've got some pretty colorful bugs you're doing these days for bass um is that dyed like deer hair is it bucktail what is it you're putting in there exactly that is dyed uh deer belly hair so like i i will use the classic deer hair but if you can get that belly hair um some people don't like it because it does cut really easy. And some people don't like it because it, they think it flares too much. But if you can start to work with that ultra flary hair, that's when you get those just, it's just disgustingly tight after you cut it down with the razor. So if you can get belly hair, get it when you can. But again, it is, uh, it's always dyed over white. So it is one of those materials that will always have a bit of a risk. Sometimes it's not as nice as it can be, and sometimes it is, you know. How important is it in your mind to get rid of those guard hairs, those fibers, those fine fibers? It, it uh, It's pretty important. Um, each clip I take off the skin or off the whatever you want to call it, off the swatch, um, I give it a good brush. A lot of people like to cut out the, uh, you know, if they're not building a collar, they'll cut out those top, the top parts of the hairs. I don't really do that. I've never found that a problem. But when it comes to taking that, uh, that dubbing out of the hair, yeah, if you don't, your hair is, it's just going to spin and you can glue it on the bottom. You can put resin on the bottom and on the face. It's just going to spin on you. That's you got to get that out. And I, I mean, I use a pretty terrible plastic comb, but if you get a nice metal dubbing comb, you would never have to worry about it. What type of thread are you using these days? Cause I know 
uh, it's important. It's strong and thin when it comes to packing deer hair, kind of, uh, you know, winding it down hard on the hook for stability. What do you, what do you, mm-hmm. what's your go-to Brandon? I hope to not step on anybody's toes, but it's only GSP. It's only Vivas GSP. Um, uh, 100 is great. 150 is great. 200 is great. I honestly, when I started tying, I didn't really understand the, uh, the sizing. So I always got 50 because for some reason I thought that'd be the best. And I'm not going to lie. If you can use a 50 and lock down your thread wraps and not split your thread, I find it will hold a tighter bug, but if you're trying to get into the game, uh, 150 all day. Vivas GSP. I'm looking at some. I got some 50 here that I've been using. I like it, um, but I, I've I've recently tried that Nano Silk. I don't know if you've used that at all, but it's um, it kind of reminds me of it. It's super super strong. Yeah, I uh, I haven't used it, but I have heard. Uh, I haven't heard bad things about it. I've, I've heard some people using it. I think it might be great for spinning to lock something down, but uh, sometimes that like that GSP is strong, but if you get too strong and you're locking down that deer hair, it is going to, you know, there, there's a level where that deer hair can't even handle, or it's just going to explode in your face and absolutely frustrate you. Right. Uh, if you're not familiar with the product, GSP is a product that uh, UTC puts out, but it's super, super, super strong and thin, and uh, a little hard on the scissors, I find. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, I would get a pair of junk scissors to trim the excess. Yeah, would you call what? Sorry, what brand was that you just threw out there? Oh uh, no, I would say just a dirty pair of junk scissors. Oh, junk scissors. Okay, I got you. <laughs> yeah, because I got the I got the Doctor Slicks and I got some Pat Cohen uh carving scissors and whatnot but uh when it comes to cutting that thread yeah use the uh use your meat scissors <laughs> yeah or razor blade works good too because those are yeah that works great <laughs> so, somewhat disposable but yeah no don't cool. use your hair trimming ones no 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 never um i don't have a lot of hair so i don't have to worry about that um <laughs> so talk to me um what else have you been up to since uh you know the move up north and back to Fredericton since we last chatted. Are you uh, are you getting out and chasing any uh, any bass in your neck of the woods this summer yet? Yeah, I've uh, I've been lucky enough to. We've been busy, busy of course, uh, trying to get our life back in order. But I have got a couple chances out to uh, my favorite river. I'll shout it out the Nashwalk River in Fredericton. That is my uh, smallmouth haven, but. Uh, I went out the other day for my third trip out since we've been back and the river has just been, it's just blowing out. Like I like to get out there in the middle and wade and you know, I'll get dragged away if I go out there right now. So I think tomorrow it'll finally be leveled out and some land will be showing and I can chase some smallies on the poppers on some, you know, less than a foot of water, which is my favorite way to do it. You have stripers in your area. We do, yes. We uh, we have stripers come through the St. John River. Um, I honestly, I, I don't see a lot of fly fishermen chasing them. A ton of bait fishermen pick them up at the time of year when they swim through. Um, it's the same as the muskies around here. Uh, they're not really attacked by the fly fishermen too, too much. You know, they're a 
beautiful fish, but it's it seems like kind of a bait fisherman's game around here a little bit, unfortunately. Yeah, well, that's honest. Um, so what else have you been up to with the business? Like, have you had a lot of custom orders in the last little bit, or kind of where, where where's your energy been mostly focused? Is it is it mostly bass right now? Yeah, uh, it's it's for sure bass. And when it comes to custom orders, that's kind of what I run on the most. You know, if you you find me on Instagram or you happen to squirm by my name on Facebook somewhere, like that's I really uh, I get the most from my custom orders. And my ninety nine percent of my customers are absolutely unreal. And uh, even some some customers that when I was making the move from the Arctic to here, it was like. You know, they wanted something that week, but I told them what the situation was and it was just like, oh, yeah, well, of course. So get them to me when you can, you know, so I've been very, very grateful for that. I haven't had uh, people screaming at me or anything like that. And uh, it's it's been good because it's a thing, too. I love to tie. It's just it's something I just enjoy doing. To It's almost like a therapy thing. So if I can tie bugs for other people, why not? Right. I can't throw them all. <laughs> so th- this has been definitely the year of the cicada so i'm, I'm kind of curious have you had anybody <laughs> reach out to you on cicada patterns this year you know uh i have i don't i don't think the uh the old brood x is in my area so uh i haven't actually had people reach out to me and i have lots of uh clients that are in the states too but i didn't have too many questions on the cicadas but I will say that I constantly try to make my own pattern from foam to deer hair, trying to just make it slightly different than somebody else's. I can't do it. There's too many beautiful cicada patterns. Like I can't, uh, I can't bring my own one, you know, to the vice. Yeah, that's something. Well, I, I was playing around with it a bit, and there's I've seen some with so many different colors and variations, and I'm just like that probably oh would gosh. take me a week to tie. <laughs> some of them are when it comes to cicada to me it's like okay let's put a big black piece of foam on a hook and maybe i don't know some calf tail hanging off the back from a wing Mm -hmm. and that would probably hit you know what i mean but you have some of these people that are some of these the foam ones are honestly killing me and not just the big foam that you're tying your wraps around to make the body but some of these foam popper ones that are like 50 pieces of foam and it makes some sort of cicada it's unbelievable who's influenced your fly tying the most in the past few years like if you had to name some names um pat cohen for sure uh he's he's one of the big ones you know i got his book blaine chocolate's a big guy because i love my big streamers and i love my game changers um there is an instagrammer and it's panther branch bugs i don't want to butcher his name but i'm pretty sure it's brandon bales or brandon bailey's i think it's brandon bales he is he is the king of deer hair at a small size too he can do a size six dalberg diver like you can't do a size two watt with all that room, you know, it's just beautiful. Uh, I think those are really the guy there. And of course there's the guys like, uh, Mason at, uh, probably skunked and Donald, uh, you know, um, the fly perspective in Cape Breton and rich at, uh, stay fly, New Jersey. 
I gotta always shout those guys out. <laughs> How's he doing? You know, you've talked to lots of them. Oh, he's he's tying and catching fish like it's nobody's business. That's what he does. So. Yeah, yeah. I think didn't he get you know he's pretty guys. hard into the stripers too, isn't he? Yeah, he loves. Uh, I think he loves. I think he just actually recently bought a dirty old new rod that he made the point of saying like, "No, I'm gonna beat this thing up." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a good egg. So, um, yeah, yes. let's talk, let's talk your tying setup. What kind of vice are you tying on these days? Give them a plug. So, uh, I tie on a Renzetti. I tie on a Renzetti Traveler. Nothing, nothing crazy and entry level vice, you know, but, uh, it's, it's, you gotta have that rotary in my opinion for what I do, like for the bass bugs and whatnot, you gotta. Yeah. Is there a fly shop near you that you frequent? Or are you doing a lot of stuff online? Where are you getting all your supplies these days? So um, recently, actually, there is a fly shop, in, or uh, I would call it more of a fishing shop in town that started up. They are called the Minnow Tackle Shop in Fergie, New Brunswick. Uh, you can pick my bugs up there as well. They are, uh, yeah, they're awesome. And uh, the people that work there can set you up for sure. But also a big shout out always to spawn fly fishing out there. Uh, they're out in the States. And I think they have got, uh, or I have got 99.9% of everything I own when it comes to fly tying from them. Like uh, Josh, uh, Josh will, you send him a message on Instagram or anything, he will get exactly what you need. And he'll put you in the right way. That's so important. I find I find when you're buying materials because it doesn't matter how long you've been doing it. Sometimes you you start looking into tying a certain pattern, and if you can get that bit of help, it's going to save you money too in the long run. Because I, I don't know about you, Brandon, but I I spend money on things that I may or may never use. Oh, I'm a, I'm a dirty culprit for that. I you get that you see that one nice tool or material, and you're like, you know what? I could I could implement that, and you get it home, and you look at everything else, and you're like, oh my god, I can't I can't add this blue flash to anything I have, you know. What's what's a material you've bought in the past, you know, six months that you went, wow, I I, I see a lot of potential for using this. There's one thing that I would like to, and it's peacock curl. I know I can use it. I know there's so much potential. But I don't know how people use it so properly. You know what I mean? It's yeah. a beautiful material. I can't do it. Every time I use it, it's it looks like garbage. <laughs> I've seen a lot of people use that as kind of backs on bucktails or um, yes. you know, streamers. I love it. Yeah. No, me too. It, it's the uh, backs on those bait fish, eh? It's yeah. I, I just but that that's not. It looks so easy drape that it's yeah. like you build this fly and then you drape yeah. it across the top yeah. it's no joke <laughs> yeah no that and that for me is where i lean on the youtube channel because you'll watch mm. people like sun tail tie or um uh davy mcphail and they just make it look so easy and i'm like well oh, i can't be that hard but the truth is they've done more than a few thousand of those and they're pretty good at it. And it's like, uh, yeah, you're right. It's, it, it looks a lot easier than it, than it is. Absolutely. I was saying that to someone the other day that, uh, like I, you know, I, I love tying deer hair and I've, it's honestly one of the first things that I've got a bit of recognition in that people give me a bit of props for, which is a little weird to me. But the thing is like, I'm, x number in the people that i love that are doing it are 
you know, 10,000, not, you know, 8,000, 9,000, 10,000 bugs in. Like, I'm not even, I'm not even close. Like, it's not like you can tie a hundred bugs and perfect that bug, but there's always somebody I feel like that's got that one bug above you. You know, you gotta, that gives me a little bit of inspiration to be like, okay, no, look what he just did. I think I want to try that too. So since you started this kind of, uh, you know, fly fishing rabbit hole thing, um, what's, as far as the fly tying, what's your biggest takeaway when it comes to tying? Um, my biggest takeaway, I would say there's kind of two stems of that. One is not to lie, like, one is a bit of solitude when like, you know, if stuff's really confusing you or there's a lot of stuff on your mind when I sit on that bench and crank on the light and there's a bug stacked in front of me, there's a bubble around us, you know, there's a bubble mm. around that bench. Yeah, That's probably one takeaway. And the other takeaway is patience and like, you're gonna, yeah. And I think I said this on <laughs> the first time we talked, you're going to suck at first and you know, you're going to think one thing is good and it probably will fish. No problem. That's one thing too. It will fish. But uh, uh, some a bug, you you know, it'll fish. But once you tie the one after that, you might hate that last bug, you know. So it's about patience. You're going to suck at first. Every time you do a new bug, you have learned at least a part of one technique. You're, you're never not learning by tying a new bug, if that sounds ridiculous, but if that makes any sense at yeah, all. Total sense. Um, when you finish a fly or one of your deer hair patterns, how many turns on the whip finish? Mm, that is the question, isn't it? That, that is one of the classic ones. I'll do, I'll do a four. And, uh, actually if, if we're talking bass bugs, I, I will do four or five, um, not whip finishes, but, uh, you know, clinch knots around it mm -hmm. and then i'll actually put a drop of, or a little drop of glue and do a maybe two if i can get a whip finish if i can't i'll cut it and i'll spread that glue but when it comes to a bug that's not a flat faced deer hair bug i'd say two five turn whip finishes <laughs> wow you're, you're securing yeah. that down I'm, lock I, it down yeah no i hear you <laughs> Are you a hand? I mean, do you using your hands for that, or you got a like a a whip finish tool? No way. I got a uh, I got a stone uh, stone foe whip finish tool, so it's not one of the spinning ones. It's yeah. one of the uh, you know the solid tools. I love that thing though. I like the real. I can't get a handle on those spinning whip finish tools. I really can't, and I will never be able to do it with my hands. Hmm. So it's a good median. Interesting. No, I, I, I always find it fascinating talking to different people, what they're using. Cause I mean, there, there's so many different ways to do it. You, you use what works for you. And then once in a while, a tool comes along and you're like, wow, why didn't I get this sooner? Right. You're a hand whip finisher, aren't you? No, I, I mean, I used to, honestly, it took me a long time to figure out, and I, I probably shouldn't admit this. It's embarrassing, but it took me a long time <laughs> to figure out how to use the damn tool. Um, it's confusing. Well, it is. And, and like, I've, I've even tried to show people it and it's like, because you're looking at it when it's in front of you, it looks one way, but when you're showing it, it looks another. And it, 
I mean, oh, it's, it's, it's a totally, you can't take a different angle and look at that and try to explain it to somebody. It doesn't work that way. Well, if I was showing somebody to do it, I would just tell them to just practice whip finishing. Forget even the fly, just whip finish, whip finish, whip finish. Cause once you get it, it's so simple. Uh, it's it is just, super easy. It's just for some reason I, I, I get frustrated easily with some of that stuff. So I'll just, uh, okay, I'll just use the hand whip finish and then I'll put a little bit of glue or resin on there or UV or whatever. But what are, what are you using for glue on your flies, Brandon? So, um, on my bass bugs, I, uh, I'll fit the face with a glue called liquid fusion. And I use the Pat Cohen method, which I, I mean, I think it's his method. That's why I learned it from, which is just a uh, piece of plastic over the eye with that, uh, with that glue. And there's a, there's a, there's a couple other little tricks that you learn as you're doing it, which I can't, I can't give every trick to it, you know, but, uh, <laughs> why not? but it's, it's <laughs> no, that's, you know, why not? But I will say that, uh, you want to, you want to get that flat face on a, on a popper liquid fusion. But after I get that glue on, I will use a, uh, flex, a flex resin on the bottom and on the face and over the eyes. Um, I try not to get too much. Like I don't coat the whole head because I find it's just a bit too much. And even though it's a flex, it'll crack, it'll break up. So I try to use as liberal as possible. But one tip that I want to throw out to everybody, some people use thin and I don't think you should use a flex on the bottom of your popper and let your popper sit upside down with that flex paint it in a little bit like flat to the popper let it sit in there for like even two three four five minutes let it soak into that bug hit it with that light that bug's never gonna sink it will never sink again i don't care what you do to it hmm. you you hold it underwater for 20 years that thing will pop up I'm, I'm getting a chuckle out of chatting with you because you, you are such a um enthusiastic person when you decide to get into something and i'm just listening to you talk about tying <laughs> Uh, I can, I can tell you've come a long way since we first chatted and, uh, uh, I'm going to have to, uh, look up some of your, your YouTube patterns and, 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 and follow along. Cause, uh, uh, kudos, man. It sounds like you you're up to some good things. T t talk to me about what's, what's coming up down the pipe for you this year. So, um, just a lot more custom ties, a lot more deer hair. Um, you know, like, um, it sounds to me like basically you're putting all your energy into fly, uh, into tying flies right now. Yeah. Uh, you might call me crazy, but that's kind of where the, the road is going. And, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be all deer hair all the time. I mean, I, I, uh, I do lots of custom orders for lots of things. You know, if you need something, I'll do it. But I, I'm not the guy for the Mickey fan or the muddler. Like, you need a couple dungeons or you need a couple poppers. Like, then you can send me a message. But that's that's kind of the route right now. Um, you know, I uh, I had a very good lesson for the past year living in the Arctic. And I, uh, I felt like I've learned more, honestly, than I ever could at any point in time in my life. So... Hmm. Right now, I'm tying flies and uh, I'm trying to just make sure our house is happy. That's kind of what it's all about right now that I've learned the most. It's just about everyone in your home smiling. Yeah, good stuff, man. <laughs> Can't say it much better <laughs> than that. So so talk to me if, if, if somebody's listening and they say, hey, I want some of these popper patterns, some of these deer hair uh, spun patterns that you're creating for bass bugs or whatever kind of fish you're chasing, what's the best place to find yet these days 
I mean, the best place would definitely, I mean, Instagram is the easiest place. You can find me at underscore fishing with Brandon. I'm pretty sure it is. But if you type in Brandon Snook, S-N-O-O-K, I'll probably come up. You can't miss me. I got a giant dirty mustache and a ton of hair on my head. So uh, I'm pretty hard to miss on the pictures. (laughs) But uh, also, if you type in my name, Brandon Snook, S-N-O-O-K on Facebook, again, look for the mustache uh, there's not a ton of them on there shoot me a message if you want some bugs i i uh i get them out as quick as i can i have a bit of a turnover right now on my orders it's it's about two weeks or so off an order or uh, you know if you want them really bad i'm sure i can get them a little sooner if that top water bites in your town but uh yeah i'm doing the best i can hit me up on there if you need any of those bugs well, thanks for coming on again, man. Let's touch base in the near future and, and see how things are going. I'm curious, too, uh, what you're going to get up to in the fall because I have a feeling you're going to be pretty busy. But uh, <laughs> lo- love the enthusiasm you bring to the bench and uh, always good to chat, my friend. Thanks for, for doing this. Thank you so much, Mark. I uh, Yeah, again, I can't uh, I can't thank you enough. You're the man. You have, uh, you're the one that sparked a bunch of my passion for this. So you are really uh, – I'm very thankful. We've been chatting tonight with Brandon Snook. Brandon is currently in Fredericton, New Brunswick, Canada. Uh, look him up. He's got uh, Brandon's Bugs specializing in deer hair flies for bass right now. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by theflycrate.com. Thank you for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Your feedback matters. Let us know if there's a person or topic you'd like discussed. Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com. Until next time, tight lines and we'll see you on the water.